Andrew. How are you? That's a very quiet introduction, Keith, to episode 13. Of inside-av.com. That sounds American. That sounds stupid. (laughs) Yes, I think uh, as much as we seem to have a number of folk from North America listening, I think it would be silly to attempt to do their accent in the same way as they seem awfully silly when they attempt to do it. Yeah, I didn't mean it to be rude. I just It was a pretty pretty pissy attempt anyway. I I sounded awful. Um, Episode 13... Who would have thought we would have made it? Um, and so far, nothing's gone wrong. Lucky. Uh, Lucky some people would say otherwise. People at Pinkfish Media, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're waiting to hear back from them. What happened? Uh, I don't know. Um, someone should stand up. Someone should say, look, we've listened to your podcast and it's shice. Anyhow, um, we're well, open not that f- they're German. No, um, we're open to feedback, though. So. Yeah, God, yeah. Yeah, if we could get someone to tell us how to do this thing properly, we'd be right onto it. Um, uh, what was I going to tell? Oh, AV Myths. Uh, yeah, we've AV Myths today. We'll jump straight in. Okay. So, talking about clients or people with rooms and they've soundproofed them. Soundproofed them? Yep. What's is what like works? Waterproofing. Yeah, sometimes I think it is. Mm. So egg cartons. Yeah, I just hang on a sec. I've got a mouthful of coffee. I need to. We're talking mm. carpet. What about carpet? Does that work? What on the floor? Yeah, that's where it's meant to go, isn't it? <laughs> I think uh, I, I don't know if it's, you have the same problem. I hear a lot of people saying, "Oh, I've built this media room." which is so often code for a 4.3 to 4.5 metre by 5.8 metre room with a sliding door for some reason or double doors with with a very poor seal. No, not double doors with an airlock, double swing opening doors, so it's a wide opening. Yes. So immediately there's a problem with isolation with the rest of the house because the door offers a very poor seal. And they go, I've... um, Oh, it's really good. I've, uh, we used a special uh, special sound check. Uh, rock, uh, yeah. yeah, wall cladding, drywall, whatever you want to call it, depending where you live. And um, and we filled the walls up full of wool. Yep. Okay. What balls of wool? <laughs> and uh, insulation. At that point, you're supposed to lie down and be terribly, terribly impressed. So they got the bit they got wrong was it's. Insulation from temperature, not sound insulation. Oh, no, it does both because the sound that does get through the jit rock will be turned into heat oh. by the insulation. It won't warm your walls up very much <laughs> unless you've got an awful lot of sound. But that's how sound absorption works. You know, what was that old guy said something about energy doesn't disappear or it just whatever, changes its uh, shape. It's a shape-shifting type thing. <laughs> so, uh, uh, no, I think the real defining thing is that you've got uh, room acoustic treatments in the room where you are actually affecting the sound of the room and then you have isolation-type uh, aspects of room design where you have and, good window seals, good door seals, yeah, etc. And, 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 of course, wool in the walls to, to stop sound from getting in and out of the room. So there's a few things you you want to achieve with going to all that trouble, isn't it? Well, the AV myth is that to put to put insulation in your walls when you're building a media room and use sound check, this special 
Chip Rock, which is a spin-off, at least. This is my understanding, because Soundcheck has horrible acoustic properties. Yeah, it's terrible. But it's a better isolator of sound. So, so yes. when, you, when you have a company like CSR or someone who builds, uh, you know, manufactures wall cladding products, they don't know anything about acoustics. What they're doing is offering a product that will deliver greater isolation in a you know, generally in a commercial situation, hotels, motels, offices, etc., where you're trying to reduce the amount of noise that's coming in from next door. That's what it's, it's purpose. About. It's got that, nothing to do with acoustic properties in the room, and that, and that is the myth that I. I did know the guy that did the uh, the jib rocking or the drywalling mm. at the the local cinema. Mm. There was nine layers of jib rock. Yep, and that I mean they they were trying to achieve isolation from one yep. cinema to the next cinema. So, if you do searches on the web, you'll find that double floating walls, in other words, two. Uh, 90 mil stud walls isolated from each other isolated from each other perhaps with a few inches you know or god I mean you know inches millimeters centimeters whatever you know a gap a gap uh, and filled with um, wool in both framed areas so within the stud gaps there is um, R3 sort of equivalent insulation fair bit of insulation very dense. And then I think it's three to four layers of jip rock each side right. of the 10 mil variety. It doesn't have to be super heavy grade or dense. And in your case, obviously, it was four layers one side and five. The other is what I presume he meant. Or did he mean? Oh, I'm not 100 percent sure, but he just said not. There was nine layers of jib rock between, well, the, maybe, yeah, between the rooms. So maybe it was. Yeah. The analogy is floating walls, insulation, and the three to four layers of jib rock each side is the equivalent of two foot of concrete. Okay. Actually, it's better than two feet of concrete. So, if you want two foot of concrete of isolation, like bomb shelter, nuclear bomb shelter isolation, but you don't want all that concrete then that's how you do it. A bit of wood and a bit of jib rock and a bit of wood. Mm. Which is a fair bit of effort, really. Ah, it's a huge amount of effort. In fact, there's really no need for that. I've built walls with two layers each side, double floating walls, 70 mil on, on the outside of the room and 90 mil inside of the room for the sake of building a stiffer wall with less, you know, base absorbing, you know... Characteristics. Characteristics. Oh, incredible isolation. Yeah, but you've but, got to you've got to put it everywhere though. You've got to have it in your ceiling like that, and you've even got to do something about perhaps an airlock or double doors or something like that as well. So, but you've really only achieved isolation. Oh, at that point, you've achieved isolation, and and that benefit is that you're not getting external sounds coming in, mm-hmm. m- mixing up with the the music or the soundtrack that you're listening to or the movie that you're listening to, lifting the noise floor yeah. effectively in you. And the other benefit is that the people outside the room, mm. if we're talking about a cinema that's in your house, mm. aren't being annoyed by what you're doing in the room. Absolutely. And, and um, if you've got a family home and you have kiddies and you have adults, which is quite often apparently how it works, and the adults want to watch um, whatever it is, you know, later at night and the children are meant to be asleep, there's, well, two things... 
I have trouble doing that because I'd be concerned the children's rooms caught fire and I'm sitting in there watching a moving and laughing and carrying on me while the children are being burnt to death. That, so I can't do that. I would need a camera. I would need some kind of... Extra smoke warning Because, you know, I've built rooms where they're so isolated from the outside world. That's why I don't use headphones. I can't stand it. I find it... Claustrophobic. I find, no, I find it just... I just feel I'm... I've, detached from the world and i hate to think that uh, something exciting is happening while i'm um, well that's just that's, listening to some music or watching a movie <laughs> that's half the generation that walks down the street with their earbuds in de- absolutely detached but from the world they are but the difference there is that they're in the world they're invincible though they can just cross the oh, road they can cross roads yeah with yeah. the earphones on yeah, this they're, yeah, they're safe yeah. sorry uh, that's all right. That's what pet the show's hate. for. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm actually. I have a lot of pet hates, but I'm slowly getting over that one because I think I'm just saturated. I now don't. Like I was walking along this morning. I went for a walk um, with a good friend of mine out in the public. You know, I sometimes go out in public, and uh, we uh, just well, just a public thoroughfare along the river, and. Um, Number of uh, very few teenagers walking, of course. Teenagers don't walk unless they're walking between, I don't know, where they live in the cinema or the shopping centre or whatever. But the point is um, walking along, head down, in the phone, doing I don't know what. Yes. Waving around in front of me. I nearly ran into it and I thought I should just trip you up. Hopefully, no. Okay, now we're getting sidetracked. Well, actually, we we can't change. Did you know there's an iPhone app? That lets you use the camera and see your where you're walking as you're texting. Oh my god! <laughs> Seriously, yeah, I don't I don't know what it's called, but I believe there's one out there that it's called oh, "I am a cock." Let you, let you keep texting and and be aware of what's in front of you <laughs> oh, at two feet. <laughs> Uh, it's sad, could, isn't we, it? This is not a podcast about the destruction of society as we know it. So we no. won't talk. So about back it to anymore. the room. Um, so look. So there's two. Okay. So the AV myth. To get back to it, and, and one that the point I'm I feel it needs to be made is that there is two aspects: isolation and there is acoustic properties in the room, and they're both important. And the great thing about isolation is is we're talking about the family home is not annoying the kiddies, waking them up, and vice versa. Although you'd rather like to think that if they were, you know, well, something was bad was happening at the other end of the house, that you would know. You know about it. Because you couldn't live with yourself, I think, otherwise. You know, well, see, well, let's turn it around the other way so you feel better. The kids are in the movie room with the PlayStation and they're playing racing car games or whatever, and it's row, row, row. Okay, so we Then you're out in the kitchen and barbecue yeah. and entertaining you. You know they're in there. I'm in the bedroom going, wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, all right. Um, yeah, just isolation. But when you're in there watching a film, what do you want? Well, you want great acoustic qualities in your room, and you're going to achieve that a whole bunch of different ways, and we'll talk about that some other time. But we will talk about it. Okay. Uh, but my point is, yes, put the wall in your walls. Yes, use, by all means, some kind of heavier-duty Jip rock cladding for your internal walls. If you're feeling flush, build two walls, floating walls. You'll get much better isolation. Well, I was going to ask you about that. So you've gone to all this trouble to um, put your extra sh- drywall up, mm-hmm. or jip rock as we call it here in Australia, mm-hmm. and then you cut a PowerPoint in it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, you've got to look at all of that. You've, if you're going to get serious about isolation, and there are people called isolationists, although that's not got a lot to do with watching movies necessarily, but they... Well, there's two types of isolationists, I think. <laughs> the kind of isolationist that I'm interested in is the person who just loves to be in a room and to be completely detached from the world, vibration, light, etc. is all reduced to nil. Um, the way to... Yeah, obviously you've got to you've got to take care of all of those little interfaces. You know, you need to have a box behind your PowerPoint and things like that, and insulate where the cable comes through. And uh, there's a lot of work in doing it and doing it right. But I tell yeah. you what, it's fantastic when you get it right. And you need to build a fake floor as probably, well. I mean, yeah, probably my point was that if to those people that have gone to the trouble of adding the extra jib rock or getting the sound checked and thinking that's going to do something. Mm. Definitely not going to do something if you cut a PowerPoint in it. You've you just yeah. wasted your money. You, you may as well it. put standard jip rock up because it's uh yeah yes and no because the walls in the wall um it's not as obvious as you would think yeah it, it, but it's not a good thing no you, you've ruined the wall to to some degree um it's like people who build a half decent ceiling and then fill it full of downlight holes you know you've just you know this just total leakage don't look at my ceiling no i have a second ceiling that's a fake ceiling that's a fake ceiling yes there's a real ceiling above that and that's how you do it but you've still completely wasted the effort you made with the second ceiling because you've just gone and put a dozen holes in it like i've done yeah but um it's still it's still as you can hear right now it's a very quiet room so what what would you say is a practical solution or are we trying to achieve the best we can here? By Practical using- solution is this room that we're sitting in. And for those people, this is not an ad. Oh, yes, it is. Go to audiofix.com.au and look up you know, somewhere down the halfway down the front page. There's a link to we've built an AV room. And I have penciled in a couple of – I've typed up a couple of notes there about what we did to – and it is, it's done on a budget and it's done using existing uh, readily available materials. Yeah, it's nothing fancy, but it works nicely. And it's a nice, lively room. But that's getting on to the next subject, which yeah. is acoustics. Okay, so we'll leave it at that. And that's always been something. You, you, we'll, start it, we'll start it off next episode or something. Do you want a live room or do you want a dead studio room? Mm-hmm. So we'll, well a studio isn't always dead anyhow. Depends what you're doing in there. Generally, they are, though. They're just like... Yeah, depends what you're doing in there. What are we doing? Well, we're not doing anything. Oh, we're sitting around talking crap. But, I mean, this this space is should be deader for what we're doing. And people who have actually got a decent stereo or are wearing headphones listening to this will hear the room is quite reverberant. Um, you know, it is. It's mm. got some, you know, it's got a bit of decay, Tom. Uh, it's not a dead room. It's a great room for playing a stereo in. But if it was a home cinema room, which it's not, first firstly it's a two-channel room but if it was a home cinema room uh you'd want it better damped yeah okay that's we'll come back to that one all right we're gonna take a break coming back with uh death and destruction in the queensland two-channel no the queensland multi we're not going to talk politics i can't stand politics no i was going to talk (laughs) it is election day today no i was going to talk about uh, the continuing saga of Oh yes, yes. Things things have happened, haven't they? Since our was it two podcasts ago that we mentioned some companies in the industry have fallen against hard times, 
And I don't know if they've fallen against them or fallen on them or fallen under them. Mm. Electronic interiors, there's a story to tell. People have been ringing me up. So we'll be back shortly. Okay. Thank you. Hello, Keith. Andrew, you playing with your new found gadget? Well, it's not really a gadget, is it? It's, it's, um, I'm just making some adjustments. You got that new application from Studio 6 the other day, which you fell in love with straight off. From 6 Studio. 6 Studio. I don't know. 6 Studio, Studio 6 doesn't really matter. They're easy to find. Audio tools, it's called. And, uh, it's an iPhone app. And it's, it was mentioned in an episode or two ago, two, two episodes ago. But I just thought I'd plug in and get a demo an for example us. of what it does. Okay. Um, I think that's pink noise. See, I, I haven't got my cans on now, so I don't know. Hang on a second. Oh, belt the mic, why don't you? Hello. Uh, I'm back. So you've been playing with this for a little while now. I've been playing with my phone. Yes. Quite, quite a lot. <laughs> Said Wiggins. And there you go. So... I'm in generator mode at the moment, and I like this because this is why. So, white noise, pink noise, square wave at 700 hertz, sine wave at 700 hertz, square wave. Yes. So you can, it's the same as a, um, it's the same as a test tone fed through a transistor amp, and then, and then you've got sine wave. It's more like a, a valve amp. Oh, really? Okay. Nah, this is what I wanted really. This is what I like. So let's say you've got a room. We're talking about rooms before, and we are talking about electronic interiors shortly, as in the latest. Yes, debacle. Goss, debacle. But just two seconds on this. Um, so I'm, to describe what I'm looking at is a screen where I can type in a start frequency for a for a a, a sweep, which I'm going to I'm going to put 150 hertz in. And I'm going to put an AND frequency in it, which is 500 hertz. And that's that. And then I'm going to turn it on. And I'm going to sweep. Um, like thus. So what this is good for is where you've got a room with a few rattles in it. Yes. Rattly light fittings, rattly wall hangings. Walls hangings, rattly walls, screws that have come loose, glue that's not glued anymore. And you turn it up nice and loud, of course, which um, it's finished. You can set the time lag. You could set that to two seconds. So does it repeat over and over? No, you, 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 it doesn't, I don't think. Um, whoops. So there's a two seconds, and you can change that to 20 hertz... This will test out the iPod headphones for people who are uh, Got u- using such devices. What would it be called in New Zealand? Who'd, who would make it in New Zealand? Would make a signal generator? No, the company, Studio Sax. Studio Sax? It's six, six. It's six Studios. Oh, Six Studio. Yeah. What the New Zealanders call it? Sex Studio. Six. They might get lost. They get on the wrong. They'd be at the wrong site. So yes. we should put a link on our page. It's spelled S I X. Yeah, but the thing is, we're pronouncing it six, which is the correct way. Okay. Uh, so uh, where we've got here. Um, so 
and that was 20 to 100. But the point is you, you, you could sweep the whole 20 to 20K range if you want and take 10 minutes doing it or 10 seconds. Hugely flexible tool to have out in the field. Um, I believe you that's were, one of only many. You were going to utilise that too with the, um, the new tenants next door with their kids. You're going to utilise the oh, high frequency aspect yeah. of it. I was. Have it's you good. tried that yet? I haven't done that yet, but I'm going to. So we can just s- explain to everyone what you thought would work. Well, I'm going to set up a horn out the front. Yes. And I mean a speaker horn, um, a tweeter horn, high frequency horn. Yes. Something that operates between. Well, I don't really care how low it goes because I'm going to be feeding twenty twenty k signals. Uh, next door at about 120 dB, and the children, of course, will go insane, and no one will hear it. Except for the kiddies. Yeah, the dogs, of course, will all run away, but there are no dogs in the street, so that's all right. Um, yeah, actually, speaking of that, if you do a sweep, as an example of hearing test, from, say, 11,000 to 15,000, and I'll do it over 10 seconds... And let's see if anyone can hear it. Just say when. I'm looking at the display as it goes up. You tell me when. Did you? I need the headphones. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I think I can hear it. I can hear it. Okay, well, I'm going to do it, and then I'll give you the cans. So, so, okay. Okay, that's gone off at about 12,400 hertz for me. So here's the headphones. Oh, I've got to whack the mic again. Sorry, everybody. So, so you, you just tell me when you can't hear it anymore. There. Ha ha! That's when it stopped. <laughs> You seriously heard that all the way to 15,000? Yeah, it sort of cycled, though. It lost a little bit of DB, but I... Okay, well, I'll go to 18,000. Maybe you've got dog hearing. (laughs) This this is weird. Okay, away you go. And um, this dead air is amazing. It's gone. Yeah, Oh, okay, no. I'll do that one more time. I think you lost it at about 17,000. That is unbelievable. 14, 15. Yeah. Uh, about 16,000. Cool. I couldn't hear past 14,000 as long ago as when I was 12. I remember doing it then with, you know, 15, when, you know, when I was first had a job in the trade and had a signal generator to play with. Oh, so I actually had a phone call this week offering free hearing tests, but I had to be a pensioner, so I couldn't get it. I was actually going, yes, I'll go get my hearing tested. Well, that's, um, that's uh, well, we'll just leave that at that, won't we? It's 12,400. <laughs> my golden ears have turned to tin. So, um, well, look. Back to, uh, oh, just six, six studios. Yeah. Search, audio tools, cost about 20 bucks, 23 bucks, 24 bucks with some basic options. What an absolute gift. But it's replacing, what, hundreds of or thousands of dollars worth of equipment? Well, 
It does a lot of stuff. Um, we're just using the signal generator. It's got a built-in third-octave real-time analyzer, yes. which works really, really well. The microphone uh, input is has, an, uh, has a calibration... Um, Feature? Uh, calibration... Um, Plug in whatever you want to call it, where you 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 could you could sit it on one of those little tripods you bought for your iPhone, yes, and use the mic that's built in if you wanted to, and uh, get you know just get quick in the field. Just if you were trying to set a, um, you know, trying to tweak an AV receiver's multi-channel uh, EQ, fifteen-band EQ that's got in each channel like the Integra one does, and no doubt plenty of others do, but that's the one I'm familiar with. I don't like using the Odyssey. You can't use the Odyssey if you're in a noisy environment. In fact, last time I used Odyssey, it was quiet and it's still it's still got bullshit readings. So, mm. so I just don't use it. I set everything manually. I set the levels manually. So that twenty dollar thing allows you to check your speaker levels. It's got a speaker distance thing in it as well. Although you know we've got tape measures and eyes and whatever, uh, but it's got that. It can measure delay, so you can type in the right delay, and it's got. Um, it's got um, the other thing you use, of course, is the yeah, the RTA is what I was talking about. So if you've got, like, you're trying to match your centre speaker to your front left and right and get the, you know, use the centre channel EQ to sort of, because the front speakers are probably sounding pretty flat. Centre speaker so often jammed in a cabinet or whatever has got some pretty obvious colorations, and uh, you can use that EQ to, you know, if you haven't got the magic ear. Balance them out. You can, yeah, look at it and go, huh, the shape curve, yeah, it looks like this, and I'll do that, and... Problem solved. So very cool. Mm. Electronic interiors. Oh, when we talked about it last time, and this is it's gossipy and stupid, and it's the kind of thing women sit around talking about. But the thing is, I've had a couple couple of people speak to me in the last week, and as a result of our podcast. Partly, yeah, in, in a couple of cases. And in another case, it was just someone in the trade, I know, who rang me up for a completely different reason and said, by the way, do you sell XYZ brand because I need to get someone to finish off a job that I've been handed? Um, you know, orders being placed, deposits being placed, and very little received in return. Oh, that's not... That was tip of an iceberg, though, because more was to come later in the week. And it turns out that... Um, Same job we're talking about. No, there's many jobs, apparently. Oh, many jobs. So, you know, really unfortunate. It happens in all industries, I suppose. Builders are great ones for um, half-building homes and um, disappearing, never paying tradesmen and suppliers, etc. It doesn't often often happen in our business. And there's something disappointing here, and that is that Justin Bull, who is the... Owner, I suppose, or was the owner of this company. Of course, he'd be called a director, wouldn't he? Oh, he'd be the managing director. Managing director, yeah. CEO. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he, of course, is the son of uh, Barry Bull, the uh, self-proclaimed business guru of the Southern Hemisphere. As the web page, important uh, as his web page would state, important. Uh, that he be described as self-proclaimed because I've never heard anyone anywhere really suggest that he knows any secrets to success. But um, the secrets that he did know, he obviously kept secret from his son. Mm. Mm. It's quite good beer, that. 
Um, so uh, there's various figures being thrown around, around, various figures being thrown around. Around. And they uh, are of a very high uh, number, less than a million, but heading in that direction that he owes to suppliers and oh. to clients. This is a big mess, and this is. I don't want to come at it from a um, from the point of view that um, this is not peculiar to our industry, which it's not. But there are some there's some similarities here to this business day bar to um, many others, and perhaps considering we are here to offer advice in regard to audiovisual, we can offer some advice as to how to avoid dealing with companies that are going to implode in this way and therefore you will be left in the lurch. So we're going to give them some signs or pointers on how to... I think they're just common sense, but hey, we've got to fill airtime, so let's just blab on about it. I mean, my sources tell me that Justin lived a life, a pleasant life, in a decent house with fancy new cars. Yes. A wife draped in <laughs> trinkets of... Perhaps a cost somewhat exceeding what you get at the two dollar store, etc. Is this something you've noticed in life, uh, Keith? I think yeah. recently you had a bill to owe you some money. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, they all seem to have the luxuries, I suppose, mm. or probably better to say excess of luxuries items. Got a usually got a fairly large adult toy cupboard full of. <laughs> Yeah. Jet skis, runabouts, oh, yeah. jet skis, push bikes, push bikes, yeah. yeah, giant black four wheel drives. Yes, uh, what would be the sign that's on the side of that giant black four wheel drive? What was that prick's name again that owes you that money? Is never going to pay. Hey, do you ever give you any more? No, not no. yet. No no no, 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 no. But the friend that assisted me in retrieving that small amount mm. is, is willing to go a little bit further again. So. Mm. Mm, that's what I like to hear. Yeah. And I will be surprised if someone doesn't pay Justin a visit and attempt to extract money, perhaps using the same methods. Yeah, because the, uh, the other methods don't really work. No, but there's a problem with any method, and that is I don't think there's any money there anyhow. I think it's all gone. One wonders where it all goes to. Yes, that's probably the hardest thing Getting back to signs, though, perhaps we should talk about sign. Oh, so if you're going, okay, this is okay. This is coming from from two boring old farts' point of view that do not have flash cars, do not live in flash homes, do not have flash premises. We both operate out of industrial areas, out of sheds. Yes, Um, but why do we do that? Because it's cheap. It costs bugger all to run a business, and there's a good chance you might make a profit. Profit is good. Profit gives you stability. Profit and stability is good for your clients, because when they need you, you're there. Yes. I'm still servicing clients from 20-something. Well, some of those people would say I'm not servicing them, but... I can think of one 20-plus-year-old customer who was on the phone the other day saying, when are you really going to come around and have a look at this job? But uh, they're in, of course, another town, and I'll get there eventually. But the, the point is, yeah, I mean, you know, if you... What can I say? You know, like, um, we all have our troubles at times in business. 
Uh, you gotta you gotta do a, as good a job as you can of yeah and cleaning like, up your messes. I was thinking about this the other day. I've got a few clients and. And I like to keep most of my clients, keep them happy. Keep some you don't want to keep. Some I don't want to keep, but that's that's here or there. But it, it's actually, um, well, what have I been in business for since 1993? Mm. And some of those customers I still have mm. from 1993. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a good sign. So really. how do you, yeah? So how do you find out if, as a client whether the person you're dealing with is has their heart in their business and is is interested in long term, you know, like they're, they're going to be around to look after you and give you good value for money. It is a tricky one. It is a bit tricky. But I think when the guy pulls up in a Porsche and he works in the audio visual business, there's a giveaway there that he is living beyond his yeah, means. Yeah, it should be. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the simple fact is there is no money in this business. There just is not any money in automation, hi-fi, AV, home theatre, whatever business it is that we're in. It's something you do because it's what you like doing. You love cinema. You love film. Well, that's you love music that's the thing and is, great sound. You're doing this because you'll never get to do this at your place, but you get to do it at everyone <laughs> else's and you get, uh, get to play with some of the new stuff then. It's partly that, isn't it? I mean, I'm sure that's why I got into it in the first place, was to play with gadgets on other people's time. But it, it, uh, it uh, so yeah, so rule number one. Someone is talking about spending a lot of time, you know, six weeks away in Europe or driving around in expensive cars or lives in a exceptionally flash suburb and they're in the hi-fi business, be concerned, particularly if they seem to be too young to really have made that money from another method. Achieved it. Yes. So, because Justin, unfortunately, apparently fits that criteria. He had expensive business premises. He had quite a few staff, as I understand it. And I think maybe three for most of the time that that business was around. So that was four of them, plus a wife, trying to live out of a business selling a bit of hi-fi. That's... Oh, no, he sold high-end hi-fi. Yeah, how much, though? And high-end. In Brisbane? In AV, yes. I mean, there's a limit to the amount of high-end hi-fi you're going to sell in Brisbane. There'd need to be a high-end customer. And there is a few, of course, but, you know, it ain't no Sydney or Melbourne, New York, LA, London. True. <laughs> Um, so, so that's yeah. a, that's a sign for anyone out yeah, there living beyond what it'd be here to be living beyond their means. It's not like they're selling. I mean, there's people around this town that drive flash cars that sell expensive real estate. And the fact of the matter is, if you sell expensive real estate and you're any good at it, you're going to make quite a lot of money. You can afford to probably lease a decent car. Mm. You ain't going to make that out of hi-fi. So, m- next point. What do you think the next point is? Or cautionary point. Yeah. Um, probably past history or past projects. Previous installations. If yeah. you can't, surely, if you cannot come up with a list of existing existing and, and happy clients, um, yeah. We might not put them on the website, but if someone comes in, you know, I can give them a list. 
I'm also give them a list of people that aren't happy. <laughs> <laughs> what list would you like? Yeah. No, nah, it's not quite true. Yeah, we shouldn't have mentioned that. But anyhow. <laughs> you can't please everyone, but... I mean... Oh, I don't think there's anyone that's terribly unhappy with either of us. There's probably a few people, human nature, that you don't get along with. Well, that's and true. And they're out to pick holes in your performance. But I don't know why we're picking on ourselves here. We're not the ones that have uh, torn up uh, the better part of a million dollars trying to do a half-assed job of selling hi-fi and custom install. Um, yeah. Anyhow, handy oh, hint. Other, other point. Testimonials from previous clients, surely. Yep. And um, instant comeback with a different name. That's that's a real sign. I mean, that's going to be hard for people to to pick that, but um, mm. obviously, well, that comes back to history, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, it. Uh... And and see, that's where associations, which should be looking after those sort of things too, for the end user. EI was a member of Cedia or not? Sorry, EI, a member of Cedia. Um, I think so because they had awards. They had awards in some of the installations so um i'm concerned i'm just going to come out and say it. i don't give a fuck anymore <laughs> what the fuck is going on at cedia well we should find out because we're going to make some enemies here i'm I, keith this is this is not keith i'll stand on the fence keith's <laughs> a member of cedia i'm not i can say whatever i like you still a member yeah okay. no. <laughs> So at the moment, overdue <laughs> payment on my yeah. membership, but yes. Well, fuck them. What do they do with the money? In here? Um, now I've got to go and put an explicit tag on this bloody podcast again because <laughs> I have a foul mouth. But um, Cedia does not set very good standards for technical skill in my book. I think they okay. set an extremely mediocre standard for technical skill. We need either another group to start-up that sets some proper professional standards. I'm not the only person that thinks this. Alternatively, CDA needs to pull their finger out in Australia, I'm referring. I've no idea what happens with CDA in North America, although I think you were telling me the other day, or someone was, that they were less than impressed with what was happening Yeah, they were there getting the well. same sort of feeling. That, yeah. yeah. So, and then secondary to that, what is going on where you've got Electronic Interiors winning CDA awards and duping people for money? And, oh, I hate to say it, but... You know, home theatrics, Don McKenzie's big wheel at Cedia. What the fuck is going on there as well? I don't know. Are we overstepping the line here? (laughs) It's all true, though. Uh, Didn't Don run the show for a couple of years? Oh, yes, yeah, and still involved. Maybe he was spending too much time at Cedia and not enough time running his own business. Maybe we spend too much time on a podcast. Not... (laughs) Not, not getting to well, those services. I know calls. someone would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're having so much fun. Uh, yeah, well... So it, it is a... It's a sa- it? Maybe it's a, a bit of a sad state of the times and a bit sad state that, you know, these big guys are... Well, there's... Sorry, I'm jumping in, but there's yeah. point number three, isn't it? The bigger the installer, the more likely they are to fall. Yes. We've had four installation companies fail. We've had any number of building companies fail on the coast here and in Brisbane. We've had this and that. They're all big ones. Yeah. The little guys run sensible overheads. They generally are knowledgeable, know what they're doing, hands-on, have their finger on the pulse of the job. Um, they don't go to business. They just don't. And when they don't do, make any they, money, though, do we? 
<laughs> no, but yeah, at least from the see, we're speaking from a client's perspective. Oh, yes. And there is another overriding thing that was told to me um, in regard to this electronic interiors business is that they've got no interest in hi-fi whatsoever, only interested in, excuse me, only interested in what they can um, make out of it. Any more new big giant black four-wheel drives they can buy, or whatever colour it was. Mm. So, you know, where do their personal priorities lie? Having said that, nothing wrong mm. with trying to make money if you employ the right people to do the job. But if you, you go, do, you still got to do the job properly. In a small business, you might be better if you. See, I always wonder about how you're going to, how I'm ever going to sell this business. And I don't mean the one. I don't mean inside AV. I mean audio fix. At some point, I want to get out. You know, I don't know when. You can't. It's not a big enough business to sell to a business manager. You have to sell to someone who's going to be hands-on and has technical knowledge. These people will be hard to find. If yeah, they'll be getting harder and harder to find too. Yeah, well, easier in some way because they're not employed anymore. But, um, oh, Dave will buy it off you. You'll be right. <sighs> okay. Yeah. No. Okay. They could. You there, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> it's for sale. <laughs> now, um, I think we need to actually uh, wrap this up. Mm-hmm. But just, just we, we put the teaser out there that you know there's some pretty horrible information out there. I don't really want to talk about it in a way. To sum up, very bad business management. I've been told, extremely poor. Business management practices, procedures not in place, etc. A very bad attitude, priorities-wise, to where the money should go, i.e., towards paying staff, not towards buying new toys. Oh, somewhere along the line, Baza. I shouldn't say that. That's being presumptuously friendly towards someone that I'm implying has not done the right thing. But Mr. Barry Bull has not passed on his handy hints to his son successfully. I think that's the overriding thing. I don't know what that means. Oh, we'll leave it at that. We've probably said enough. Vented. It doesn't it's change anything. It's not venting. There's nothing you can do. It's just, and I think my point is, it's not stuck. It's not. It's not industry related. It's just. It's just bad management. If you're buying hi-fi, spending a lot of money, you're getting a a big wiring job done in your house. Try to find someone who's mature and uh, knows what they're talking about. Drives a sensible work vehicle. Anyone who turns up in a fancy car to a job is. Straight away, not serious about their business, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, you know, if you turn up in a van with your name on the side, that's a bloody good start. You're a tradesman. If you've got illusions of grandeur, delusions of grandeur, <laughs> and you're getting around in a whatever it is to go and quote on jobs, eh, it's not. That's not the, it's not the guy you want. I good, don't think. Good point. I don't think so. It applies to anyone. You see it in movies. You know, there's a couple of classic films where they're doing our houses and the guy, the various tradesmen turn up in Ferraris and shit to quote on plumbing jobs. <laughs> surprise, surprise, their quotes are high and their service is low. I mean, that's how portrayed in movies, but I think it's, that's the way it is in real life. Yeah, true. Common sense. We'll be back shortly. Okay. Hey, Andrew. Void it. Void it on Inside AV. Mm. What are we voiding? 
No, we're not voiding anything. Well, we're violating it more than voiding it. Well, we're using it, not violating it. Um, HD Easy Lock. From the guys at Blue Echo Solutions. They were very kind. Tony himself yeah. responded back and he Who's sent Tony? us... Tony? I don't know. Just a bloke that works there. Yeah. Let's say could be, he could be the inventor. I reckon he's the head on show. Mm. Would that be code for inventor? Yeah. Okay. He was kind of a kind enough to send us two samples of mm. the Easy Lock system. Two pairs. Two pairs, mm. yeah, which was quite generous. Oh, look, I've just pulled it apart. Did it break? No, no it just comes apart. It actually it's, seems very strong. It's a great little design. It's obviously a lot of man hours have gone into the, the thought and the preparation. Um, and obviously the size, the the physical width of it too, I think is a critical thing because... Well, width is important. <laughs> yes, just ask anyone that. Yeah, ask at least half the population ask. and I'll tell you that width, <laughs> width is, is critical. Yeah. Ask the other half and I'll say there's a reason for that and that's to do with... Okay, um, <laughs> so the uh, it it is a HDMI cable lock that you allows you to, rather than have your HDMI cable half falling out of your TV, your Blu-ray player, your receiver, etc., you fit this little device to the rear of rear to the back plane, if you like, a rear panel of your um, equipment, and enables you to lock it in place. That's that's basically it. But you have it in your hand. Please yeah. describe. It's only a, it's well, it's plastic. I'm going to say it's like an ABS sort of plastic. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Tough plastic. Yeah, it's pretty tough. It's just black. It's nothing special. Um, Got a nice little feature inside where the actual HDMI body mm. of the of the lead is clamped is like a little knife edge, knife in, edge embossed into the plastic. Oh yeah, like a little, like a ridge, maybe. like a yeah, embossed, debossed, because em- it's quite quite sharp. A little, yeah, it's like a little grip line. Yeah, and there's a couple of grip the plastic, grip yeah. lines on the top section, and and the two clamped to each other, and then. Yep. It also obviously improves the ability not to remove the HDMI from the back of the... Without having to screw the clamping mechanism down too tightly. Yeah. Mm. Um, So the first thing what I noticed setting it up was it does a great job of squaring up the HDMI connection into the back Mm. of the body and holding it. Stopping it from hanging at an angle, you mean? Yeah, stopping Mm. the weight of the cable or the HDMI cable weighing down on the actual HDMI Mm. pins. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a great thing. I, I was quite impressed with that. The only thing that I notice is if you're a little bit hmm. uh, forceful, no, hmm. not forceful, a little bit too excited and you tighten it up too much, Yeah, you can go the other way and start to pull the HDMI cable or the pins up. So you but virtually tighten it to get the alignment you want, which is, of course, at right angles. At right angles, yeah, yeah. Just do it sensibly. You just so, it work, so it works perfectly in your brief experiments? Um. Oh, it's a great product. I'm really impressed with it, actually. It'd be um, something that I w- wish to use on jobs. It'd be great for um, projectors and things like that that are not yeah. easy to get to. And Projectors and TVs, you quite often have a longer and in turn thicker and heavier cable hanging off them as well. Yeah, though I did have a one thought, which I... W- just the one. Just one. Mm. With the TVs or flat panel TVs, um, there's not much space there to start with to plug these HDMI cables in. 
No. And then you've got to push it back against the wall and you've got to jam it up. You know, it, yeah. it gets a little bit messy. And generally, you, you've got two people holding the panel and one person's plugging it in, plugging the aerial lead, plugging the HDMI cable in, maybe plugging the optical cable in, um, the Ethernet cable, and then you just... Any other cable names you wish to throw into the... uh, I think I covered most of the connections you need to do on your latest flat panel. What about your uh, IR bug? Well, that yes, that's possible. Mm. Didn't think of that, did you? No. Mm. No, most of them you stick on the front. Yeah, but the cable's going through the wall. Oh, true. Oh, so you've got it hanging out of the wall already, yeah, and then already, you glue it and you stick yeah. it on when you... Yeah, and then jam all the spare cable. So on the this back is probably not going to be great to set it up on a TV and then try nah, and hang it on the wall. There. But I did think, after my thought on that, it was yeah. I should try this on those right-angle HDMI cables, all those flexible HDMI mm. um, cables. I'm thinking it'll work, mm. but I'll, I'll try that and confirm that. Mm. Okay. So you're going to get back to us on that in the same way as we've we never got back gotten, on everything we've else. Got back onto everything else. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That. So in other words, this episode is finished. I mean, this discussion is finished. We will never, ever comment on it further. We actually said we would never comment on HDMI cables further, but here we are. But this is actually something that um, really is worth uh, mentioning. Well, it solves a lot of problems. I actually thought I didn't design it, but I thought wouldn't it be nice if we had such a thing um, a long time ago because. Um, yeah, as soon as we started using HDMI, and they were obviously the cabling was far too heavy for the sort of structural... The physical, yeah. Uh, ..sort of side of the plug socket assembly is quite sloppy and moves around and the cable hangs and it doesn't look right and, and of course, in some situations it will fall out. But uh, it um, this fixes that. But it... Uh, I have no idea what I was going to say. Your turn. Well... There was a solution like this, but you actually had to buy the cable with it built into it. Oh, okay. Where you would lock it in. I mean, and I only ever saw that or read that. Never really saw one. You pretty well hard pressed to find one yeah. at your general store or AV store down the street. Bunnings, where you where you buy all your cable. <laughs> yeah. Bunnings Hardware. Mm. Actually, they they probably sell these. No, <laughs> we don't want them to sell these. Um. No, where can you buy them? Well, what's the name of the site? Um, so Tony sent these. He's from blueechosolutions.com. The instructions are really good, hey? Very comprehensive packaging, little screws, Allen key. Yeah, good little kit that comes with it. Yeah, I, I was totally impressed when I unpacked them. thought I'd mention that, Tony. <laughs> but no, I was like... Uh, yeah, just you know, if it was made in Australia, it would have been some notes, handwritten notes on a on a on a post-it note. Uh, would have said, "You'll need an Allen key, and you'll need to find some screws for this thing." Yes, made in America. Everything you need is there, ready to go. It ready works. to go, and that's yeah. for both ends. So it'll yeah. it'll do one cable both ends. Basically, sells in the states at fourteen ninety five USA. Yes, pair. dollar. Uh, yeah, for one pair. Yeah, one pair, and uh, so a gift. When you consider the cost of callback, uh, I'm just thinking callback. Well, replacing a HDMI board in something because oh, well, yeah. the lead yep. has been reefed out by the pussycat running past. Oh, the I'm giant just, pussycat. I'm just thinking for the installation guys, um, or any even the general public with their cupboards and stuff, just. 
the headache of, you know, it's just dropped out, the pitch is not there. And mm. Which which connection was it? Or Oh, it's a good idea. Yep. And uh, nah, it's a bit better than good. It's exceptionally good. And I would give it four inside AV stars out of five, and I would call okay. it inside AV approved. Would you? <laughs> um, definitely. Four, four and a half, three and a half. Um, you can award halves. Can we? Oh, it's the same as the movie show. Cool. I'm going to give him four and a half because he was nice enough to send us well, some just to, uh, yeah. to to physically look at them as well and, and give them a go. And look, the instructions are there, but a bit of common sense. I had the thing on and in probably 60 seconds it was on, connected. Probably the only reason I wouldn't give it five out of five is because I don't think there's a product that's absolutely 100% perfect. It probably is worth four and a half, though. I'll, t- I'll take that back. Oh, okay. Yeah, because when you think about it, what's really wrong? The instructions are great. The thing works. There's different mounting arrangements for different back panels. You know, yes. you've got, if you've got a screw above or below the connector, it's appropriate. There's five Cabin, mounting there's methods. Double-sided tape is supplied in the kit. With an alcohol wipe, which I don't think I showed you, oh, to clean, to clean your back panel... So there is everything. No, no, four and a half star product for sure. Inside AV stars, that is. That's not just any old star. That's no, a, they're special stars. AV stars are worth one and a half times a normal star. Awesome. Uh, so thanks again, Tony. That was blueecho.com. Uh, blueechosolutions.com. Solutions.com. Um, we will put a link on the webpage. We will. And we will have photos. Yep, on the webpage for this particular podcast. We'll be back soon. Thank you. Final segment for this episode, Keith. Wrap up for the show. Uh, I think we were rambling a bit regarding the electronic interiors thing, but uh, I think the gist of it is... Flashy, posy, showy businesses that have been around for only a couple of years. Maybe avoid them or do due diligence. Mm. I like those HDMI brackets. The HD Easy Locks. Yeah. So impressive. Thanks again to the guys at Blue Echo Solutions. Yeah, definitely look at that on the webpage. We'll have pictures and a link. Uh, You're a fan of Facebook? Yeah. We've got a Facebook page for the Inside AV, so we need a few likes. What does that do? Oh, we're working on that. We we don't <laughs> understand that technology yet, but we've uh, got one. We've got one. So we, yeah, we've got Twitter. Yeah, Twitter's up. Is it Twitter or Twitter? Twitter. <laughs> oh yeah, you tweet on Twitter. Yeah, twit twit <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah, and we've um, got a website inside hyphen AV dot com dot com, uh, which has usually got photos and bit of malarkey from each episode uh, the photos are the thing you probably want to see well, and... so the photos for this show we've only got the easy locks put up but we'll put their website up there that'll have heaps of other images plus their all the information's up there to download we've got a picture of Justin Bull in a bath of dollar bills I think we've got <laughs> oh, I hate to see that I don't think they need no one wants to look at that we've got uh uh, next episode, we look into the future. Well, yeah, we thought we'd have a go at looking into the future. I'm not going to say that it will happen, but... I don't know. I've actually got a really good record of picking dud formats. Almost flawless. 
dud formats. Dud in- formats. I remember when DCC came out, it was like, no, that's not going to work. We're sick of tapes getting chewed up. That was my reason for that being a failure. Uh, DAT, same problem, and you weren't going to be playing it in the car. Uh, mini disc. Yeah, I saw a slightly brighter future, but the problem was it sort of happened at a similar time to when CDs became affordable to burn. And, of course, then you had a compatible thing, so yes. I didn't see much future in that. I saw more of a future in Laserdisc because VHS was so bad, but I knew it wouldn't ultimately succeed. I saw DVDs being an enormous success. It's really common sense, isn't it? Well, it is now with hindsight. I saw Blu-ray. No, I saw Blu-ray disc as a huge success. Although I didn't see a problem with HD. What was it called? HD DVD. HD DVD. And funny thing is, when I went to CES in two thousand and the year when both of them were still around, I think it was oh seven or oh eight, oh eight or oh nine. Anyhow, we're wandering around the show, and and HD DVD was all the talk of the show. It was... That was its peak, though, Yeah, it it was going to be the format that was going to win. Sony were doomed, Toshiba was going to win. And then I think it was less than a month later, they announced that they were shit-canning it. And yet lots of different people at the show I spoke to, oh, HD DVD is the far better format. It will survive. Blu-ray discs... But were they... Technical people or salespeople, are you asking? No, they were technical people at various types of... The one I remember was the verbatim guy was saying that it was going to be a real bugger to burn a Blu-ray disc. HD DVD would be far easier to burn. Okay. It probably was, but verbatim... Maybe that's why I didn't get off. I didn't get to... Well... Yeah, that's just right. The copyright. Who thing. wants it to be easy to burn? Not Sony. <laughs> so um, let's there, squash that. Yeah, there was that, and there was um, uh, the uh, the other thing. Of course, was that um, Sony had tied up all the movie houses. So, um, as in the um, the uh, production companies, not production companies. The um, so well, that was what I companies. well. Since you're so good at predicting the future, the one mm. that's that was my topic. F- in five years or less, mm. I don't think we'll see anything like a disc anymore. Coming up in episode 14, yep. let's discuss just that. Okay. If, if, and if you're listening to this when episode 14's already out, now go to episode 14 and hear what we were just about to talk about, but we're going to cut it off instead. Uh, we're gone. Thanks Thank again you. for listening, everybody. If you're listening, you poor bastards. I don't know. Why no, do bother? Do you reckon anyone ever gets to the end? Yeah, no, we've got some love. Some Have of, we? Yeah, we've got some feedback somewhere there. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of reviews lately. Please, please, please give us a positive review or any kind of review. Most of the reviews are positive, but maybe that's what people do. Mm. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.